Today on Locked On Red Wings, it's showtime. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. And Scott, we got a few things on our docket in this episode, uh, obviously most notably, and I think it's probably best if we lead off with it so we don't bury the lead. Uh, Patrick Kane is confirmed to be having his season debut with the Detroit Red Wings tonight by the time you're listening to this uh, against the San Jose Sharks. Very exciting. We'll talk about uh, where he will slot in the lineup, who he's going to be playing with, uh, things of that nature, how much he'll be playing. Derek Lowen spoke to all of that in the media availability on Tuesday or Wednesday, rather. I wouldn't say post practice because they didn't have a practice on Wednesday. So we don't know what the lines are going to look like necessarily either. That's going to be up in the air. Uh, also going to be talking about Jake Wallman getting fined for his high sticking at the near the end of the game against the Buffalo Sabres. And then, of course, previewing the San Jose Sharks. But Scotty, as I said, probably should lead off with the biggest news of the day and that is the confirmation that Patrick Kane is having his season debut against the San Jose Sharks uh Thursday night at LCA. Yeah man, everybody's uh rightfully excited. We uh we'll see. We'll see. I I there I have so many questions more so than answers. I feel like, you know, people are are tuning in and uh, are are have similar questions than what we're going to ask. And I'm, I'm just not sure anybody really knows a lot of the answers to all of the questions that I have. I mean, we obviously have a lot of questions about playing time. We have questions about line mates. Uh, we have questions about like how, how gradual or steep is the uptick in minutes going to be like, if it's, you know, if he's producing a lot, like how does that change? Like how quickly you give him more minutes Special teams, Hughes' question, right? Is he going to be on the power play at all early on? Is he going to be on power play two? Is he going to like peak at power play two? Is he going to end up being on the first like peeper? Like no one knows anything. Um, and that's kind of part of the fun, I think. Yeah, it, it is. And we do know definitively from Patrick, or not Patrick Kane, Derek Lalone, rather, that Patrick Kane will be playing with Alex Debrinkit. Uh, I would imagine we saw practice lines, what, Monday? that he was slotted in on the second line with Joe Valeno as the center. At the time, we were speculating that Joe Valeno was centering that line because of the fact that JT Comfort took a maintenance day. But now with the with the information from Derek Lalonde that they're going to try and rotate yeah. the centers or, I guess, figure out what centers work best, it, there is a possibility that Joe Valeno is the center of that line. I, I'm really curious, like, exactly – what center combos they're going to be trying to work with Patrick Kane. I imagine D Dylan Larkin will get a look. So that will be your top line at some point during the game. Uh, JT Comfer, Joe Valeno, maybe even Andrew Kopp. I mean, outside of that, I don't think you really would see like a Christian Fisher center that line or a Michael Rasmussen. But like those are the most viable options for the Detroit Red Wings is those three. Most notably, probably Comfer and Larkin as the most prominent 
centers, but Raymond and Larkin have looked so good together that maybe they don't risk breaking up that chemistry and give uh, Valeno and Comfort more increased looks. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I, I think that, uh, you know, for uh, Raymond has really been under a microscope for the last like calendar year now. He's been killing um, it this season though. Yeah. Agreed. And and that's my point is I think he's really uh, taken a step forward. Uh, and I, I think that he's been a fantastic line mate to Dylan Larkin, especially, and then really whoever has been on the other wing. Um, I, I think that early on, like, as you said, and as we've talked about, you just want Kane to be as comfortable as possible out on the ice, right? Like you're, you're not trying to, to, so my point being, they're obviously going to put him with the Brinkett a lot early on, just because that's a familiar face. They've obviously had a lot of success together, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I do think that there is an argument if he is healthy and if he continues to trend in the right direction and he looks solid in his producing, I think there's a, there's a, a definite argument for moving him up to the top line at some point. But I also think that the reason that they moved to down to the second line was to spread out the scoring a little bit and put threats all throughout the lineup and not just have that, you know, really good top line. And then subpar we'll call it or not as effective maybe is better because it's not really, hasn't really been subpar, but not as dangerous, you know, bottom nine. And and so I, I think that even if he is really producing, you also kind of have the argument of like, Oh, do you really want to mess up a good thing that you have going for you? And, and, you know, if the top line continues to produce as is, then, you might as well just just let that be, and and that's uh again if you even get remotely close to uh, as good as we think Patrick King could be, uh, you're talking about a pretty legit and dangerous and I think solidified playoff top six. Yeah, I mean without a without a shadow of a doubt, really on that. If Patrick King can come back and be, I mean he talked about it. He was hurt ever since 2020, right? He in, in the article Emily Kaplan had wrote about the interview that he had, she had with him, you know, he talked about how he has been hurt ever since the bubble year since 2020 really. Yeah. And last year he put up 57 points the year prior to that, he put up 92 points all while he was still hurt. Like that's an impressive clip, even while injured. So if he can come back and he's feeling better than that, even if he's not a hundred percent Patrick Kane, he's going to provide an, an offensive punch to that top six, regardless the, the biggest question marks is, you know, how fast can he be? How durable is he? But we're going to find that out. And that brings us to the next question is like, how much do we expect him to play in the first game? And uh, Derek Lowen also said that they're going to be very choosy about where and when they deploy Patrick Kane. I imagine they're going to deploy him, probably trying to pull him mostly on like offensive zone starts yeah. uh, as well as power play like that. But I wouldn't be surprised. And I, I'm trying to, you know, throw this out there for Red Wings fans. Like don't expect him to play like, 18 minutes a night. Don't expect yeah, oh, him to yeah. get Dylan Larkin minutes. Like he might just get 10 minutes tomorrow night because they're going to be very careful about his deployment because he's coming off of such a major injury and he hasn't played, you know, full speed hockey game since what may when the Rangers were in the playoffs. Yeah. This is going to be a game where the entire training staff is right behind the bench. And every time he ends a shift, it's you okay. You good. How you feeling, man? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's going to be people in his ear all night long. And uh, yeah, man, I, it's, it's exciting, but it also, I mean, I, I think it's important to, to kind of throw that reminder out there of like, we have no idea how he's going to look. We have, he, he's not going to get a ton of minutes 
Uh, I, I would be really shocked if he got like legitimate top six minutes. And that kind of leads me into the, the game planning and the strategy of these first, I mean, we don't know how many games that could even be, right? It, does it take three games for him to get fully acclimated or does it take a month? Like, you like, and those are probably both like two sides of the extreme, but like, you know what I mean? Like th- there's, there's a wide range of of how long it takes until everybody himself, coaching staff, fan base, front office, et cetera, is like comfortable with him out there for, you know, 18 to 22 minutes. So I'm really interested in the, the like X's and O's part of the lineup card mid game. Like I feel like you're going to see a lot of blending over the next week, two weeks, maybe even. And you're going to see a lot of people play with a lot of people. And, And I know we talked about a little bit off air before you had mentioned that like center specifically, is just going to be a big time revolving door, um, so that uh, they can they can fill a lot of those holes and get a bunch of different wingers to play with a bunch of different wingers, so they don't feel the maybe the magnitude of a guy in their presumed top six not getting you know 18, 20, 22 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean we talked about it with Tash Thompson in the Buffalo Sabers game uh, two days ago. The this guy he the he came off a long term injury. Uh, this season, the first two periods, he looked rusty. He made some bad turnovers. Like, don't mm-hmm. expect, I would be very careful, Red Wings fans, to expect Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane rather, to step onto the ice and put up one goal plus two assists. Like, yeah. don't expect him to come in rolling. Like, there's going to be an adjustment, I'm sure. So he may not wow you, but if I'm you, if I know what I'm doing at least. I'm watching the little stuff to see how how much his vision impacts the ice in the offensive zone positively. You know, what can he do in the limited amount of ice time he's going to get? Because like you said, it is going to be a blunder. We already know it's going to be a blunder of centers. It's going to be probably uh, a blunder of wingers too. Like if he's not good to go every single shift, like you might have wingers taking a spot on that second line with a comp for Valeno plus to bring it. Like they're going to get limit his ice time to make sure he stays healthy and doesn't overexert himself. So the game against the Sharks is going to be interesting for a multitude of reasons on top of the fact that the Sharks are starting to, you know, turn it on. And we'll talk about that in segment three. Um, but heading into segment two, we'll, we'll wrap up any conversation that we have regarding Patrick, De- Patrick Kane's debut and, you know, our excitement towards the potential of what he could bring to this lineup, uh, as well as talk about the Jake Wallman fine and why the consistency of the De- department of player safety is all over the place. Uh, so stay tuned to segment two of Locked on Red Wings. It's the holiday season. Maybe you're traveling somewhere to celebrate with your family. The last thing you want is to be unprepared to take care of yourself or a loved one if you fall ill. Jace Medical can give you the peace of mind before you ever hop on a flight. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. The stuff This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code locked on to get $20 off your order. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about the Patrick Kane debut. That is in T-minus however many hours and minutes it is from you listening to this to the puck drop of the game. Um, Scotty, I pretty much said my piece for the most part. I'm Patrick Kane. Excited that he's going to get his debut. Excited to see what he has to offer, but also understand long-term injury. You know, 
that may take him a little bit to get into a comfortable game speed position. Uh, so, but despite that excited, nonetheless, I don't know what else, if you have anything else to offer or add on, go for it. No, no. I mean, I, that, that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, I, uh, I'm just, uh, again, my biggest thing is just trying to see how they're the, the easing in process and how they're going to make up for that, especially, you know, if it's, are the, is it going to be more of an even distribution of minutes throughout the night? Or I don't know, they, they don't, they don't need any, uh, how do I word this? They uh, they already have been struggling in the third, so I would prefer it to not just be like, oh, just like burn yourself out the first half of the game, and then we'll do the blunder for the second half. I'd prefer maybe we uh, we we uh, you know distribute them uh, evenly. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't really have too much else. Just uh, very interesting, very exciting. Obviously, we're all uh, we're all really interested in seeing. I I just I think I think I still have more questions than answers, but. Some of those will start to be answered uh, tonight. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on from there, Jake Wallman uh, on Wednesday was fined twenty five hundred dollars, the maximum maximum allowable fine underneath the player agreement, and uh, it was for the cross check to the face of I believe Jeff Skinner at the towards the end of the. Buffalo Sabres game. And I mean, there's twofold to this. Like one Red Wings have got to stop taking dumbass penalties at the end of games where the game is close. And the other team has been pounding you for shot attempts in the last half of the game. That's been a continued problem. But the other thing is like, and I do not, I actually don't disagree with the fine. Like I, I I've seen the replay. It was dumb. He hit him way too high. Yeah. The fine is fine. But Scotty, my problem comes in is with the inconsistency in which the Department of Player Safety is picking and choosing what plays review and even a, a more surface level, the inconsistency with the refs in what they're calling as penalties and not penalties. And again, I don't have a problem with the cross check. That was a penalty. It deserved a fine. It was it was a dumb play. I think they technically called it a high sticking because the stick caught him in the face, but he essentially cross checked him in the face. I don't have a problem with that. But when in the last week, I can name you four different times in which a Detroit Red Wing has been hit from behind very visibly and no call has been made. I begin to cast my doubt on the seriousness of this league and the seriousness in which they claim player safety. In the last week, Dylan Larkin, Robbie Fabry, Shane Gostaspare, and Alex DeBrinkett have all gotten leveled with their numbers facing out. Just been just absolutely leveled. At, on the numbers and each and every one of those has gone without a penalty without a call and it's becoming increasingly frustrating as Gossespierre left and did not return in that game Dylan Larkin left to the locker room for at least what five ten minutes of that period before he finally came back you know Dabrinka got lucky and Robbie Fabry was okay but these are situations where he doesn't need any help in that department Fabry does not need any help in that situation it's getting to a point where it's almost absurd it's almost comical in that they'll call these ticky-tacky high-sticking, not ticky-tacky high-sticking, sorry, ticky-tacky slashing penalties all over the place because they've been cracking down on slashing the couple last couple of years because a lot of the injuries to people's hands comes off those. They things. are way, way aggressive with slashing. If it's anywhere near the hands, you're yeah. toast, buddy. It is, it is like night and day different from how it was for yeah. so long versus now. I mean, they are really, really going out of their way to try to, to – protect hands yeah and that's exactly it right they're going out of their way to protect hands yet the most dangerous hit in hockey right. 
That's cool. And I don't know if this is a trend across the league. I don't want to come across as if I'm being whiny, but there, this is a trend that we've noticed in the last couple of weeks. Four times off the top of my head, and I have a crap memory, guys, so that's how bad this sticks out. I can list when the Red Wings have been drilled from behind, and they hit against Larkin. He was lucky he wasn't hurt more because that was a charge. The player came in with the pure... Like the only thing he had planned to do in that instance Benchman, was yeah. hit Larkin from behind a foot away from the boards. That's a really dangerous hit where injuries can happen. So it's just one of those situations where I'm okay with the fine. I think that that was a finable offense on Jake Wallman. But when you're letting these other hits not get called for penalties and not even reviewed by the DOPS, I begin to question how serious this league is at player safety because those are the most dangerous hits in hockey. Yeah, no, I I think uh, it's it's a we've had a few of these conversations honestly over the last year or so, but I think it's a tale of uh, don't have as much of an issue with the Wallman decision in a vacuum. It is the inconsistency, right? Like yes. that that probably does deserve what it got, but um, it's just wildly inconsistent with what we've seen across the league. And yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm lockstep with you. I, I think that this is something that uh, really, I mean, for Larkin specifically dating back like two or three seasons now, right? Like it, it's, it's, it's pretty wild to be honest, how many times Larkin just in the last like two and a half, three seasons has been like pretty blatantly hit from behind and has gotten no call to him. Obviously that caused a huge injury in his career too. So he's even like a little bit more hyper aware and like sensitive to it. And uh, it, it it's, it's very frustrating to see the common inconsistencies. And yeah, I mean, when we talk about, you know, the, the NHL's priorities and whatnot, I, I, I we, <laughs> we, we have had that conversation a lot. I, yeah. I'm not sure uh, anybody, really knows but i do think that when it comes to player safety it's i don't want to say it's different rules for everybody i don't feel like there's like a specific team that's just like getting away with everything but it does seem to be wildly inconsistent for sure yeah and that's the thing right like i'm such a huge proponent for player safety like we've talked about things and i've had unpopular takes on when it comes to like equipment and where i think the league should yeah. head and that's why it's so frustrating with me because the league claims that it wants to do better by the players. The NHLPA claims it wants to do better by the players, yet these types of hits against the Red Wings have gone largely undisciplined in the last couple of weeks. And I also understand, too, that refing is hard. Like, I get that being a referee in the NHL is very hard. Like, you, it is yeah. impossible to catch every single thing that happens at every single moment. So regardless of how good a referee could be, there's going to be a player to every single game that gets missed and fans are going to be upset. But that's where you're supposed to have the safety net of the disciplinary committee, the DOPS, right? That is supposed to see the things that the referees miss and then levy out penalties after the fact, try and say like, you got away with it in the game, but you shouldn't have. And this is another instance where this, this is a failure on the Red Wings behalf. Like what is it going to take for the Red Wings to finally, you know, get this call? Is it going to take for a really bad injury? And I'm not trying to also imply that, 
you know, the referees by not calling this more and more players are like, Oh, I can get away with this. Let me just level it. I get that. And most instances, players aren't even trying to do this. I mean, the one against Larkin, you can give him a Sabres definitely felt intentional. A lot of times though, these players are trying to make plays and in cases like maybe Fabry against the Sabres as well, they turn at the last minute, but that's why your job as a league and as a referee is to police that because even if it is accidental, it's still dangerous. So, I'm just frustrated with the inconsistency. I'm fine, like you said, Scotty, in a vacuum with the call against Jake Wallman. But you have got to be consistent across the board with the dishing out of these penalties, of these fines in a sport where one hit can end a career. I'm just I'm just very frustrated with the inconsistency against the Red Wings in the last couple of weeks when it, in, in terms of these non-boarding calls. Agree. Agree. So, uh, we're going to head to segment three now. And when we return, we're going to preview the game against the San Jose Sharks and why maybe you guys shouldn't uh, take them as lightly as some of you may be. Uh, So stay tuned to Locked on Red Wings. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Segment three, a Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty, let's move on now to talking about uh, the game against the San Jose Sharks tonight. We already told you guys Patrick Kane will be debuting. We kind of broke down what our expectations for him will be in this game. Uh, but also, Vili Huso will be in net. That was also confirmed by Vili, who or <laughs> confirmed by Derek Lalonde, uh for this game ahead, ahead of the, ga- the game, rather. Uh, but the San Jose Sharks are a very bad hockey team. Scotty, uh, worst in the league by a long shot, seven wins, 17 losses, two overtime losses, eighth in the Pacific division. Uh, they don't even have 20 points on the season yet. Their top score is Thomas hurdle, who is 21 points in 25 games played and their goaltending situation, uh, not through any fault of their own. Let's be honest. Like there's only so much that Blackwood Cochran and Cochran could do with that team in front of them, but, uh, 899 save percentage and 896 save percentage for those two goalies, uh, individually, this team is bad. Uh, so this is a win that the Red Wings need to have. Uh, they cannot go in and take this team lightly, however, because this season, the Red Wings largely have taken care of business against the teams that they should be taking care of business, which has been really nice to see. And honestly, a nice change of pace over previous years. Yeah. Um, but in previous years, we've seen teams that the Red Wings should beat up on have come in and beat the crap out of the Red Wings instead. So let's avoid that. Let's go and take care of his business tonight against the San Jose Sharks. Agreed. Agreed. Um, yeah, the Sharks are – you want to guess the Sharks' record in their last 10 games? Oh, I know in their last six. What's their last six? Three and three. In the last 10, they're five, four, and one. Wow. So there Maybe you some, go. I wonder if any of those losses were overtime losses that I'm looking at. Uh, let's see. They're... Oh, I'm sorry. In their last six, they're four and two. That's my bad. Yeah, they're four and two. They had an overtime win against the Islanders, the Devils, the Capitals, and the Canucks, and then losses to the Bruins, and then only a one-goal loss. 
to the Rangers. So um, not playing awful hockey the last like six games. Um, But I mean, this is, that's like, I'm not trying to throw out like an excuse or anything. You should absolutely beat this team. There's nothing stopping you from beating this team. Um, Yeah. I mean, the, the Sharks are 32nd in goals for 32nd in goals against 32nd in goal differential 21st on the power play 31st in penalty kill 22nd in save percentage uh 21st in penalty minutes like i mean they are consistently bottom 10 and in like maybe the two most important just counting stats goals for and goals against they are dead last in both yeah i mean they're dead last in the league at five on five shot attempts. two goals a game yeah they're dead last in five on five shot attempts, dead last in five on five unblocked shot attempts, and dead last in quality shot attempts at all at five on five. And as you put it, the counting stats, they're at the bottom as well. This is, like I said, a bad hockey team. And if you want to go, okay, so you said that, what was the record? Five, four, and one in the last 10? Five, four, and one in the last 10. You you filtered those stats by the last 10, and it's really not that much better. Instead, they're second to last in shot attempts at five on five. Hey. Uh, they're second to last in unblocked shot attempts at five on five, and they're still dead last at quality shot attempts at five on five. So this is a team that's definitely picked up, but at five on five, they're still really bad. I believe their power plays ranked what 21st in the league and their penalty kill is 31st in the league. So their power plays doing a little bit of the heavy lifting recently, keeping them in hockey games. Um, so yeah. yeah, they're, they're playing better hockey as of late, which is why I led off the tease for segment three of like, maybe don't take them so much for granted as maybe you previously were going to, uh, because they've been playing better hockey, but at the same time, they're still not good and you're still better than them. Uh, so yeah. just they, don't they, go out there and be, just don't go out there and take it easy. Essentially. Yeah. They aren't the, the team that, you know, took like a month to win a game or whatever, and was losing 10 to nothing every night. Like they, they're not, they're, they're not that bad. They haven't been that bad uh, in, in the last 10 games for sure, but there is nothing that we can say that we will say that we should say that would prevent anybody from being unbelievably disappointed if the Red Wings lost this game. And that's really all that it comes down to like stats, numbers, whatever out the window, there is there is pretty much no justification from the wings perspective at home, especially to lose this hockey game. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to, right? Like they've gone from maybe the worst hockey team to have ever been iced to now just a really bad hockey team to now like, just the worst <laughs> in the NHL this year. Yeah, <laughs> like so it's still bad. It's still pretty bad. Um, but again, those are the teams that will sting you. You know, those are the teams that you take too lightly going out there and hitting the ice. You think this will be a cakewalk and then they beat you in overtime and mount a huge comeback. Look at the Islanders or you barely eke out a win. Look at the Rangers or they blow you out six to three at home. Look at the devils. I mean, this is, you just got to go out there fully expecting that this team is going to try and play up to their competition. A lot like the Blackhawks game, a lot like the Canadians game and a lot like the Sabres game. Like you got to imagine that just because these teams are maybe down there in the standings that they're not going to still try hard. So you got to go out there and be ready. I, if you're the Red Wings, you go out and get to your fast start. You punch them in the mouth again and maybe maybe try and play a complete 60 minutes uh, and not blow the lead at the end of the game. I know. Terrible. But, I mean, again, really bad penalty kill that the Sharks have. I think 31st in the league is last I checked. So if you're a Detroit Red Wings fan, this is a great opportunity to get your power play, more uh, more reps, 
and get your power play more goals. You're still, I believe, top 10 in the league in that regard as well. Uh, another goal against the Buffalo Sabres. It wasn't the best power play showing. That's the thing. It was like the power play is converting, but I feel like I'm watching it and I go, it's kind of crazy that they're converting because they're really still struggling to set up in the offensive zone and they're yeah. passing a lot, but not getting a lot of shots off. This is a good opportunity for you to take advantage of that. Kind of like you did against the wild who also had a really bad penalty kill. So again, I'm not trying to say like, this is just a practice game for the Red Wings because every two points matter in an Atlantic division. That's this thick. Like you're in second place right now, as of recording this on Wednesday, before any pucks have dropped. Um, but that can change so quickly. So two points against the Sharks are still pretty dang important. Yeah, man, you, uh, I mean, in a win here, you're, you'd be, I think, eight and two straight up in your last 10. You sure um, it wouldn't be uh, seven wins in your last six? Seven in your last six. Ladies <laughs> yeah, now I'm pretty sure, because uh, I'm pretty sure right now we're seven, two, and one. And I believe that one was like currently 10 games ago. So that would get filtered out. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd be eight and two in your last 10 if you were to win this. That would be really great again. And then after this game, you have, I know that they haven't been, uh, they got off to their, you know, trademarked slow start as the Sens do every year. But uh, like that's a team that every time you play them, it's high intensity and anything can happen. It's like a college football rivalry game. Like doesn't yeah. you throw kind of like record out the window, like anything can happen this game. That's what you got after San Jose. It would be really nice to be going into that game, eight and two in your last 10 winning, whatever it is, five or six in a row at that point, or three or four in a row. Um, I, I, that would be really, really nice, especially then. If, if you're in control of the game, maybe you give Patrick Kane some more opportunities as well against the Sharks, right? If it's a comfortable game where you're, you know, confident with where you're at, you got a couple goal cushion, defense is doing well, like maybe that gives you a little bit longer of a leash for him. Uh, it just, it, let's just, let's just take care of business. Let's, let's just, just take care of business. Take care of business. Let's do it. All right, Scotty, uh, you got any final thoughts for this episode? We will, baby. This is the cleanest episode we've had in terms of like structure and we're coming in right under 30 if i end it right about here so same time same place it's your team every day 